brother. Let me be your shelter. Um, what a great, what a great word, and uh, what great song lyrics that are tied to the community, the fellowship we're supposed to have as a church, uh, as opposed to what Jesus is going to be talking about here in his Sermon on the Mount. Let's dig into the word. Let's read it. Let's read it together, um, and then uh, and then we'll we'll talk about it. So starting in chapter seven, verse uh, verse one. Uh, and you got to remember, uh, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, we've been taking uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount verse by verse, passage by passage, and this is coming right out of Jesus telling us not to worry. Um, and then he goes into, uh, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. That's our scripture. We've gotten to a part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is digging deep into the do's and, and do nots. Um, and uh, he, he's, he's, he's giving out some guidance here to his disciples on how they should be living with this new, uh, new type of righteousness that comes from inside. And uh, he's obviously, as he's speaking these things, um, I think he's probably speaking to things he's probably seeing happen among these disciples um, and the way that they're living, the way they're talking, maybe conversations he's overhearing. And uh, we know how they're acting. We hear different references in the Bible that these disciples were definitely human beings. There were times they doubted. There were times they denied Jesus. There were times they were going to him saying, who's the best, Jesus? Who's your favorite disciple? Who's the best disciple? I think it's me. And they were, they were doing these types of things. And so Jesus was hearing some of these things coming up. And I think he's teaching. Uh, and, and not only can Jesus see what they are actually doing, but he actually knows all their hearts. And he knows what they're thinking just like you and I. And uh, he, so he jumps in here to probably one of the most, uh, one, of the, one of the great, uh, greatly famous verses of the Bible that says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Um, uh, the title of this morning's sermon is Criticism. And uh, the, the Greek word for judge there is about making a decision or determination. Uh, and usually this leads to being very critical of other people and of other believers. Uh, and this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying full on, you can never use critical thinking. Judgment has no place in a believer's life. Uh, he's talking about an attitude for which we judge people and criticize people. Um, it, if you've ever seen the movie, The Greatest Showman, you may remember uh, in the movie, um, uh, as uh, as the guy's putting on these great shows and he's putting together a, basically a circus of sorts, um, that there was a critic, a theater critic that used to come, uh, and he never smiled, he never enjoyed any moment of it, uh, and he was constantly very critical of uh, of what he was doing, of what they were doing, 
And uh, he finally just looks, the, the guy was putting on the circus and all these great shows. He looks at him and says, imagine the irony of a critic, who, a theater critic who finds no joy in theater and in a show and who is only looking for the bad things and who is just being overly critical and yet finding no joy. Talk about a hypocrite. And in some ways, this is what Jesus is talking about uh, to us um, and, and so he's not saying cast all judgment and critical thinking out the window. Um, here, here's what uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary explains about the passage. It says, this passage does not teach that judgment should never be made. Matthew 7, 5 does speak of removing the speck from your brother's eye. The Lord's point was that a person should not be habitually critical or condemnatory of a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when he has a plank a strong hyperbole for effect in his own eye. Such action is hypocritical. Though judgment is sometimes needed, those making the distinctions must first be certain of their own lives. We see even down in these verses, God tells Jesus telling them, you need to make a distinction between who's a dog or a pig and you know, who is not. He's telling us to make a distinction that actually if we can remove the log from our eye, we should help our brother and sister and be there for them. Um, so not just taking it completely out uh, of our lives, but he's going to dig into the heart, the why behind it. Why are we critical? And man, that is deep, and it cuts, and it's hard. Um, so he's, he's obviously observing his disciples doing this, and if you can imagine at this time, this was early on in his, uh, in, in his, uh, in his ministry, that he had taken on some fishermen and people who were disciples. Uh, and, and you can imagine as they were starting to follow him and they were starting to learn from him and they were, their eyes were open to this new righteousness and what Jesus was teaching uh, that, that was a fulfillment of the laws they'd always heard. Um, but he was showing them how they'd been distorted of some sorts and they were looking for a Messiah and that he was going to be that Messiah. And that they were starting to look around at people who hadn't had their eyes open to this yet. And maybe being critical and maybe starting to feel like, hey, we're, we're with Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're the disciples of Jesus. Uh, we're the ones that are right. You are wrong. They're taking what they learned from Jesus and using it to judge other people. that haven't had their eyes open to it yet. And, and so the funny thing is, just like maybe five days, two weeks before, they were those people who hadn't had their eyes open, very much like us. They were being very judgmental. They were obeying all the rules and the laws of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and doing all the things. They felt. Now, all of a sudden, they've been uh, found freedom from all of that, and they're looking down upon the people who have not. They're judging them. He says, in effect, you're turning into your own type of Pharisee. You're feeling better than other people because of something I've done for you. And so he speaks directly to the heart of it. A couple of ways this verse is paraphrased. Um, J.B. Phillips, he paraphrases it like this. Don't criticize people and you will not be criticized. In the message, it's paraphrased like this. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. 
And Jesus comes right out, I mean, um, and asks, why? Why do you do this? This first verse, he's not asking a question. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured uh, to you. So he's telling us, um, you know, there's a little bit of a debate. If you go study this, as Jesus saying, if you judge people, I'm going to judge you. If you're going to use the law on everybody else and all the rules, then that's what I'm going to use on you. Um, but there's also the wisdom behind this that says, hey, if you're super critical of other people, you're going to get that applied to you. He's saying, disciples, this is like a, uh, this can be an escalating, this can be uh, uh, an exponential effect that if you start criticizing, this leads nowhere to each of you just criticizing each other and dismissing the other. Um, so he's teaching us here to, to dig out of that. Uh, he says, don't judge or you'll be judged. And nobody likes to be um, criticized, especially when somebody's doing it with the wrong heart and with the wrong reason. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because it leaves you feeling not good enough. It leaves you feeling like you failed. It leaves you feeling like it's hopeless. It leaves you feeling like, um, like it's your fault like you are not good enough like you are a failure um, and this is not the intent that Jesus has in mind and the way we should approach our brother or sister uh, there are tons of reasons that uh, we tend to do this uh, that we tend to want to be critical of other people um, uh, I mean, part of it is the natural tendency that we just enjoy it. <laughs> we just enjoy uh, one, maybe not directly criticizing other, somebody else, but we love to talk to other people about other people's failures and faults. Because if we spend time talking about theirs, we don't have to focus on ours. Because when we talk about someone else who's struggling, we can rationalize our own behavior and say, ah, you know, I'm not that bad. Have you seen what so-and-so's putting on Facebook? Have you seen what they've been doing? Uh, it makes us feel a little bit better. It boosts our own self-image. We think we feel better, we look better when we can look down on other people. Let's go to the next verse and see um, where he begins to dig in. Why? This is a question. A question to you, a question to me, a question to his disciples. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and ignore the plank in your own? What's that speck of sawdust? What are the things that we tend to be critical about of one another in the church community? He says your brother's eye. I think he's talking about other believers, other people uh, who are trying to do good. Um, I don't know. I made a list of several things that, that, that I see it, um, it pop out from, uh, from the, the language that people use, from uh, the things that people drink from the way that people uh uh they dress from the way that you know uh one preacher has a, a style of preaching uh 
you know, from one congregation to the next or the people that someone's hanging out with uh, or the places that people go. Um, or maybe we, maybe people who are struggling in addiction or alcoholism that we immediately, and here's the danger. We don't just judge and say, you're doing something wrong. The, the dangerous part is when we get to the dismissal part that like, there's no hope. We just stop there that you did something wrong. That's awful. And that is a very, uh, it's a very legalistic approach because it says you did something wrong and the way you got to get right is to do the right thing and not sin. And Jesus actually teaches us. Here's why this is dangerous. Here's why being critical is dangerous. Because one thing he teaches us, that we have all sinned. That none of us, nobody's righteousness will be good enough. It will be as filthy rags. You don't get into heaven. You don't make Jesus happy simply by stop doing bad things and, and starting to do good things. But this is where being critical gets dangerous. I ask you this question. It's a difficult question. Uh, can you be a Christian and be a drug addict? Do you want to debate that? Can you be a Christian and be a drug addict? Can you be a Christian and be on pills? What is being a Christian about? A legalistic, a critical part would say, you need to stop doing that. You know, we've learned over time that addiction is a disease. We can be critical of those people, the people that we look in our neighborhoods and our communities and, and, and be critical and judgmental. And we're looking at the, the speck of sawdust in their eye and Jesus is telling them there's, there's a truth here that can fix the way, fix our criticism, that can fix our critical heart, our critical mindset, our judgmental attitudes toward our neighbors, our friends, our brothers, our sisters. Our family, he says, we can fix it. I think being a Christian is about having faith in Jesus Christ. I believe when you have faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches that God is pursuing us and that, that he is drawing us to him, that he has the power to save us. We have a responsibility to respond and accept that, but we cannot respond and get saved on our own accord. We owe it all to him. And as soon as we're saved, we're justified. When you give your heart to Christ, you are justified in heaven. You have Christ's righteousness applied to you. And when God sees you, you're no longer uh, a sinner. You have the righteousness of Christ wrapped around you. Now, in the real world, the Bible teaches a thing called sanctification, where we slowly, over time, we make progress. We're never perfect in this life. You spend a day with me, you'll find my faults. But I can promise you I'm a better person today than I was a year ago. I'm a better person today than I was five years ago or ten years ago. That God in his, the power of his Holy Spirit in my life is making progress and making me more righteous over time. I am not righteous. I could not take my actions yesterday and get into heaven with them. You talk about somebody who's suffering from addiction. I don't know why I'm going here, but uh, God put it on my heart. And, you know, we've, we've dealt with uh, the stigma of addiction in our church and fellowship since we opened the doors. And we've seen people get into recovery. We've loved them out of addiction. We've supported them. 
Um, but what does it mean when somebody's been clean for two years and then in a time like this, when they've been isolated, they've lost their support network and we see them break over and came in, is that t- the time for judgment and say, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't do that. God calls us not to be critical. He calls us to be something else that we're going to find. And if you want to get there, here's how you get there. He gives us the roadmap. He gives us the roadmap. Are you ready? He tells us the truth right here. Truth one that comes out of this passage of scripture. And if you don't own this, you won't get any further. And if you're like me, you always read it and you see, oh, you get, why are you going to help your brother's got a speck of dust in his eye and a log? And I'm thinking about who he's talking to, those people there. He's like, oh man, somebody in that group's got a log in their eye. And then I realized, wait, he's talking to all the disciples in that group. He's speaking to every one of them. That they all have a log in their eye. And then I went, wait. He's speaking to me. I'm being critical of that. And I'm, 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 listen, I'm a human being like the rest of you. I can be as critical as anybody. I may not always say it. God may be, he's worked on my mouth, but our minds and our hearts uh, sometimes go to the wrong place. And we become critical of other people. But you know what he's telling me, what he's telling you? And I'll just make this as plain as I can in today's terms. Uh, you got a two-by-four in your eye. <laughs> you got a plank. He, I mean, Jesus, he grew up uh, with his, his father who was a carpenter, who worked with wood, who was a builder. And so he's using this illustration. He says, you're looking at somebody, and uh, they've got a, a speck of sawdust in your eye. If you've ever had that happen, or if you've ever had something small in your eye, you know the pain it can cause. Uh, not only do you know the pain that it can cause, you know how difficult it is to get it out. And he's, and he's being funny here. This was, I think they would have laughed when he said this until they realized he was talking about them. Like the story's funny. It's humorous, right? It's like this illustration, this cartoon we got up here. It's got, uh, it's got this one guy saying, dude, I think you got something in your eye, man. He's like, hey, don't worry. Or, dude, I think I got something in my eye. And this other guy's like, hey, don't worry. I'll help you get it out. And he's got a two-by-four sticking out of his eye. A plank of wood, a log of wood. The first truth that comes out of this is that you've got a log. You've got a two-by-four. Some of us got four-by-four. Some of us got two-by-eights. Some of us got, you know, whatever. Actually, we just all got a big piece of wood in our eye. (laughs) Every single one of us. He's saying, how about you take less time worrying about somebody else's life and you look at yourself first. That you do some honest, not just self-reflection, but self-inspection. Because he speaks to something in this verse, I'm going to ask you this question. What's your log? What's your two by four? What's the thing in your life? What's the thing in your life? Because he says something here at the end of that verse uh, that, that I think sometimes gets looked over. I don't have it highlighted here. Uh, but he says, you're looking at the speck. You've got a plank in your own eye. Uh, but it says you pay no attention to it. 
That means you know it's there. And you're just walking around in life pretending like it's not. You're not paying any attention to it. What is it? What is the thing that the devil is, that, that sin, the sin that's got you, that's just, I mean, it is, it is right there. It is the number one tool the devil uses to distract you from God's will. What is the log in your eye? I don't know what that is. You know, I'm a pretty good person. I don't, I don't do anything too bad. I don't steal. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not cheating. I'm not, you know, never killed anybody. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Let me ask you this: If, if uh, next Sunday uh, God says we're going to open your heart, all your thoughts and emotions, all the things you're able to hide from everybody and everyone, we're going to put it on display. It's going to be live on YouTube next Sunday morning. What did you say? Ah, that sounds good. Everybody enjoy it. That'd be beautiful. That's going to be a beautiful thing. No, because we'd find there's things in there. There's, there's logs in there. There's heaps of brokenness in there. If our heart was opened up to all to see, maybe we'd find out that our money spending habits, um, that we've put material things ahead of spiritual things, that we can see the mountain of debt that we're under and we might would be embarrassed for everyone to see that. We might see the hatred we you have and I have for someone who has wronged you that you are just carrying with you, that you say you've forgiven them and you've, you've moved on, yet it bubbles up every time something similar or you see the person or you're reminded of it, it bubbles right back. Uh, or you, we might see the jealousy we feel for our neighbor or maybe even our best friend's life that they're living or the marriage that they have or the career that they've developed. Or we might see uh, that our mind is consumed with unholy things. Or we might see that we are struggling with fear every day that we're having to face fear that the bible very clearly says fear is sin it says do not be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid and we go but i'm afraid well, i'm scared of everything i'm scared of covid i'm scared of i'm scared of a uh, failure i'm scared of, uh, of of being in a car accident i'm scared of i'm scared i'm scared i'm scared i'm scared i'm scared I'm scared I'm not good enough. I'm scared I'm going to lose what I've got. I'm scared I'm not going to win. I'm scared. I mean, we just are crippled by fear. Maybe we'd see all those things. Jesus says you want to help your neighbor first thing. You've got to admit you've got a two before in your eye. You've got a log in your eye. And one, uh, that's the truth. The second truth is you're ignoring it at a certain level. Uh, just like it said in that verse, it says you're paying no attention to it. He says pay attention to it. Clean your own life up. Deal with that. Address it. It'll never be perfect, but don't pretend like it doesn't exist. It's a difficult uh, thing to swallow to, to admit that we struggle. Uh, it's so much easier when we, we put it on somebody else, uh, right? 
but uh, it's easy to look at somebody and say, I can't believe that that they talk that way and the language that they use. I can't believe that they're living this way. You know, they, they've, they've gone from, you know, uh, one boyfriend or girlfriend to the next. They've never settled down. Uh, it's, it's easy to look at people this way. Uh, but it's important to remember that everyone, religious, non-religious, we fall short. It's important to remember this truth. You can never know all the facts and everything about the person or the situation. You can't do it. You've heard the old saying, yeah, wait till you walk a mile in my shoes. The truth is none of us can walk in the other person's shoes. Nobody can understand everything that person's gone through. We were helping uh, somebody one time, one of our, uh, we were uh, we were trying to, um, uh, it was a good friend of ours, and uh, her daughter was uh, active in addiction, and we were trying to get her into treatment and uh, and lived a totally different life than I lived growing up, and many of us, right? Never, never been to church, hadn't really, uh, I mean, just heard stories about what God and what Jesus was. They'd never been really uh, taught to do things right. They'd never been in a home where language was spoken that wasn't full of curse words. Um, they'd been abused. They had been uh, sexually, physically abused um, in different situations. And so they're dealing with all this, and, and we go to pick this person up, and we're going to try to take them uh, to treatment. And, uh, and several times we're driving in the car, and this person just, uh, you know, just, just cuss words, just coming out. That's their language, it's their talk. Is that, is that the time for me, for us to be like, hey, don't cuss, don't use those bad words. If you don't use those bad words, it will make God happy. You, you will never make God happy as long as you're using those cuss words. Is, is that the approach that we're to take? Because we don't know. We don't know what people have been through. We don't know where they're coming from. They've never be, even been exposed to the truth sometimes. They've lived totally different lives than us. So we use the measuring stick of what we've known and what God has blessed with us, and we apply it to people who have never heard anything. And they don't know anything. They don't even, I mean, they didn't know you could talk without cussing. They didn't know you could do these things. They didn't know that there was life outside of addiction. They've never been around it. It's much easier to criticize than to show compassion. So, why we shouldn't judge? One, it's because we've all fallen short. Two, because we can never know all the facts. We can never know everything about the person. You're going to see a situation. I once had a guy call our office at SOAR. He left me a voicemail. It was the craziest voicemail I ever got. Uh, his name was Charlie. He was leaving this message. He said, hey, uh, here's... Uh, I got this thing. Uh, he said. Uh, he said I'm a physicist. Um, I think I'm in Paintsville. I really don't know where I am, um, but I've I've invented this piece of durable medical equipment. If you could call me, my number is. Uh, and he started saying a number, and then he said a curse word right in the middle of it, and said and hung up. Didn't even leave his number. And I thought, who is that guy? And what is he? He doesn't know where he is. He's a physicist in Paintsville. He thinks, but he doesn't know where Paintsville is, and he don't know where he is. But he, and then and then uh, and then and, and 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 so he couldn't remember his own phone number. He was trying to guess. And I thought, well, this is what is going on? Is this a prank? 
And so once in a staff meeting, he called back, and I answered the phone. And I was like, oh, it's Charlie. Let's listen and see what he says. And he tells me all this stuff again, and I finally got his last name. Um, and, and then he says, you know, it's just all over the place. It was repeated what was on the voicemail. And, uh, and, he, and he said, uh, let's get coffee sometime. I want to talk about, you know, trying to start this business. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Critical. Criticizing. In my heart. So I had his last name. We hung up. I go. Uh, where do I go? I go to Google. I go to the computer. I'm Googling this guy's first and last name. Turns out Charlie was a physicist. Turns out Charlie had actually several patents and one patent with other people on a piece of durable medical equipment that helped people uh, walk, I think, or a leg brace or something. I can't remember uh, what it was. It turned out Charlie was in and around Paintsville and that he was elderly and that he was having dementia and they had moved back with family. Do you know how many people you've written off and you've dismissed and we have criticized and we have judged without giving them the opportunity for us to do the most important thing you can do with somebody that not tell them what's right and what's wrong this is not the desired outcome he and jesus didn't say don't be judgmental don't be critical don't understand what they're doing but our role we are not capable with the sin in our life to make decisions and tell them what to do was wrong or right. we have a responsibility to connect them to our savior to the hope that we found, to come to them and say, I'm broken, you're broken. This sin, this thing in your life is because we're all broken. Let this brokenness point you to the cross. <laughs> we're not going to just dismiss you because you're messing up. Actually, we're all messing up. Let's just, let, me, let me bring you back and point you back to Jesus. You need Jesus. You don't need to stop cussing. You don't need to stop doing drugs. You don't need to, to, to stop running around. You don't, you don't need to stop doing these things. You need Jesus. It's the only hope. It's the only hope. We don't know everything about everybody and all their story. It also means when we begin to judge, we usurp God's authority. We begin to try to play God. He does know everybody's situation. And you know what he does anyway? He knows everything about the person, all the bad things they've done, all the bad they've ever done, all the bad they're ever going to do, all the reasons they've done it. And you know what he did? He went to the cross. <laughs> he, he gave his only son because he poured out love for that person. And I'm that person. And you're that person. We should be excited to share the joy that comes from knowing God loved me that much. He loves that person that much. Look at that broken person. God loves them. I want them to know it. I want them to know God loves them right where they are. Yeah, he hates sin and he doesn't want sin in our life. But listen, just trying to be better and do the right things is not going to get somebody to heaven. We've got to be the connector. We've got to take them from seeing their own brokenness to seeing the opportunity that Christ brings to break through it. So as we begin to wrap up here, 
we said that sometimes when if you've ever had a critical boss or a critical parent or a critical friend that just every time you're around them they're always pointing out everything you do wrong and how you could be better or how they're better than you and what they're doing and you know how that begins to feel begins to feel hopeless begins to feel like you're being dismissed God, Jesus was teaching his disciples not to treat one another that way. He was teaching them that actually there's going to be an empty tomb full of hope for that person and for you uh, and for me. And that that is what we're sure. We're called not to be critical, but to be compassionate. Not to be critical, but to be compassionate. This verse says, one, that we... Uh, we we ignore the log in our eye. But also, it says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? We find it also blinds us. I mean, can you really imagine me if I had a log in my eye? And I wear contacts, and I've had something yesterday and even today, this contacts bother me a little bit. But can you imagine I me mean, if I had a log in this eye that I could not see at all? I mean, it was this going this direction, and I could barely see out of this eye. You know, if you can't see out one eye, the perspective that goes that way. I mean, you know how it is to get a speck of sawdust out. Anyway, this is a joke. Jesus is joking. He's like, he's using this hyperbole for us to see how desperate we are. And he's reminding us that your own sin makes you incapable of really being able to judge the next person. Now, he calls us to be there for one another. He does call for church discipline. If there's something in the church we know that's just living out of God's will and they're, they're living in a lifestyle that's out of place, but here he's telling them what's the desired outcome. Why are you going to talk to the person? Is it because you can't wait to tell them what they're doing wrong? And you've already told uh, the last four people you talked to what they're doing wrong? Then that's the wrong way. We should be going because we deeply care about the person and we care about their relationship with Jesus and we care enough to go to them and point them back in the right direction. There's a great story in the Bible of David. If we were going to talk about somebody who was righteous, somebody who's good, somebody after God's own heart, it'd be David. It's a great story about David. Oh, it's not great. Um, but it's, a, it's an illustration of what we're talking about here today, we find that David, uh, he's done great things, and then he finds sin in his life. He gets lust in his life. He sees Bathsheba on the roof, and he ends up having an affair with Bathsheba, and then he takes it even further and ends up really arranging. He doesn't do it with his own bare hands, but he sets up to have uh, Bathsheba's husband murdered, has him killed. And he's got the sin in his life. He doesn't even realize it. And, uh, and he, but he has a friend. He has a friend, the prophet named Nathan, who in Second Samuel chapter 12, Nathan sees this in David's life. He sees David. He's the king. He's doing everything right. He's good. But he sees what David has done. And David can't even see. He's so blinded by it. He's, he's had an affair, and he's, he's, he's had someone killed. I mean, these are not good things. We'd know if that was going on in our life. But listen to what David says, or Nathan it says the Lord sent Nathan to David. And so he, he gets to David and he gets there and he begins to tell David this story. 
tells a story about a, in a city there were two men. There was a rich man. There was a poor man. Rich man had sheep in this just a huge herd of sheep in a flock. And this poor man had one sheep, a ewe lamb. Said so this poor man had this one sheep, and it was so precious to him. He'd taken care of it. He'd raised it from the time uh, that it, that it was little. It grew up with him. It grew up with his children. Said it even drank from his his own cup. He ate from his plate. Uh, it said it even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. This poor man didn't have anything except this one sheep. And it says the rich man had a guest that showed up. A traveler came to the rich man. The rich man was going to provide a dinner for him. And instead of using one of his own sheep from this whole flock and herd that he had, he went and took the sheep. This ewe lamb, the one that had eaten from this man's plate, had been raised with his children, that he slept in his arms. And he took that lamb and he prepared it for dinner that night. And when Nathan finishes telling David this story, David's like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe he did that. That is terrible. That rich man, he says, David burned with anger. And he says, surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He says he must pay for the lamb four times over. And Nathan looks at David this is you, this is me, we've judged everybody. We said, can you believe they did that? They deserve to die. And Nathan looks at David and says, you are the man. Can we see the log in our own eye? As Nathan looked at David, and David was so confident in his righteousness and his kingship and his goodness, he couldn't even see the log that was in his eye and what he was doing wrong. Nathan goes on to tell him what God has done for him, what God could have done for him and would do for him. And David finally sees in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Who am I to be so judgmental of this rich man who took this other poor man's lamb when I've taken someone else's wife, I've taken that person's life? See, when we realize we have a log, a two before in our own eye, we realize we've been ignoring it, and then we, we realize that it's blinding us to other people, that Jesus is calling us here for some self-inspection, to acknowledge the truth that we were broken before Christ. Our only hope is in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The outcome we should be looking for is restoration between that person and Christ. Today, we're going to deal with the log. We want to be less critical. You want to be less critical. He says if we truly pay attention to the log that's in our eye, if we truly understand our brokenness, then when we approach a brother, a sister, a friend, 
it'll come from the right place. It'll come from the right mindset. It'll be with the right approach. And it'll be sincerity about the outcome of not just, I know what's right and what's wrong, and I do everything right, and you're doing something wrong. If you do it right, then you'll make God happy. That won't be the outcome we're looking for. We'll be looking for an outcome of a heart that's reconnected with God. Don't be a critic. Be compassionate. If you're going to be a critic, I think Jesus is saying here, hey, spend some time on your own self. Put the criticism inwardly and let the compassion, grace, and mercy, and love flow outwardly. He goes on to this last verse, and I'll just read as we get ready to close up. Uh, Well, this verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be clearly, you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We'll be able to do it with the right heart, with the right attitude, and the right approach out of kindness and compassion, not out of bitterness uh, and self-righteousness. And then in verse 6, he says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. He's telling them here there's going to be some people who just don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear the truth of Jesus, the story of Jesus, that they, uh, that they are just so convinced otherwise that they'd rather just debate you about it and fight with you about it. And you're going to take this righteousness, this story, this beautiful pearl, and you're going to lay it down for pigs who can't eat pearls and don't want to eat pearls, and all they want to do is eat food. And if they can't eat it, they're going to get mad. And he's given us some direction, one, to discern and understand who those people are and look for people who are broken and hungry to, 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 to have a void filled, that are looking for something in their life, that are open to hearing about Jesus. Their hearts are opened. Um, and dig in and dig deep with them. Share the word with them. Share truth with them. But I believe there's some people in life, the only way we reach is not, uh, and you've seen these people, you've, and I've had family members, and I've seen it happen where you've been witnessing to somebody, and you just keep throwing scriptures at them, and you keep saying, Jesus, 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 you need Jesus, you need to stop doing that, and you need Jesus. And they don't hear, they're not listening, they're not debating. For those people, let's not just say it. Let's scale that back. Let's love them. Let's show it. Just let them over time say, wait, that person is different. Let them begin to ask us and come to you. Love them. You don't have to beat them over the head with scripture. Love them. Live your life for Christ. Be a light. You alone cannot save them. God can save them. You're just a connector. Let's put our faith there. Let's deal with that two by four this morning that's sticking out of our eye. Uh, Let's acknowledge that it's there. Let's take that truth. I got it. I'm not going to ignore it anymore. Not only am I not going to ignore it, it's blinding me. I'm going to deal with it. And when I deal with it, when I understand it, when I understand what it means, that it brings me back to my only hope is in Christ then I will share that message. I will come with compassion instead of criticism. We're going to share a song. It's one of our favorites. We've shared it several times, I think, since we've been in this. But I think it just speaks to our heart. 
uh, that said, I've tried to do this on my own and I couldn't do it. And we've got one option, and that's to run to the Father. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can feel him calling you. There's no better day, there's no better time just to turn it over and say, you know what? I've been justifying, rationalizing what I'm doing, saying if so-and-so is going to get to heaven, I'll get to heaven. If you know, All this criticism. Let's put all that to the side and focus on ourselves and our relationship with him. And when it's right, all the relationships around us begin to take shape. The song says, run to the Father. Let's do that this morning.